Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Praise the Lord. Give two people a high five. Tell them they look good in church and you can be seated. you're watching online, I just wanted to say thank you for watching our service. Many people watch it live and then throughout the rest of the week. And it means the world to us that you would do that. As a matter of fact, if you're ever in the Bryan College Station area here in Texas, we just want to invite you out to one of our services live. I promise you we'll make you feel right at home in Jesus name. Open your Bible to Hebrews. It's the coffee shop in heaven. Hebrews. Somebody just got real excited because they, they realized coffee will be in heaven. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. I want to pick up where we left off last week. I want to talk about living in and experiencing the peace of God. I, I want you to know it's really available. It's not a joke. It's not a gimmick. It's not a game. It's not a fleeting vapor that you can't put your hands on. The peace of God is available to you in any and all situations. It surpasses, it goes beyond what you can understand. The peace of God is a real entity that you can live in. The peace of God is a real position that you can fight from and not fight for. The peace of God is available to any believer who will hold on. And I'm going to give us a few keys today about how to live in peace. I've I've gone through, like everybody, I, my life is, is, is filled with great victories and great uh, trials and conflict. And I just want you to know that conflict is not optional. Conflict is not an option, but how you go through it is. You do have a choice on how you're going to go through life. You don't have a choice on whether or not you're going to have some obstacles, but you do have a choice on how those obstacles are going to affect you. Does this make sense? Let me give you a few things just, just real quick that are, that are uh, they're, they're peace stealers, okay? And this, this is going to take just a few minutes to work out this morning, but I promise you, if you'll write some of these down, the ones that really hit home and decide to change, the peace of God will become your standard and not just something you hear about. Does that make sense? Here's just a few. Number one. Things that can steal your peace. Living consistently tired and stressed out. You say, well, how can, I, how can I determine whether I'm tired or not? How can I determine if I'm stressed out or not? I, I want to I introduce a word. Maybe, maybe you've heard it. Maybe you haven't. It's called margin, okay? In business terms, that is the difference between the cost of a thing and what the actual sales price might be. That would be the margin. So that is the buffer zone. We have to get really wise about building some margin into our life. Let me give you an example. You've got to get okay with saying no to some things for the sake of your own peace and your family's peace. You can't be saying yes to everything. Well, what about this and what about that and what about that? Don't you love them? They're having a party and a get-together. I understand that, but there's 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, and if I commit myself to 25 hours a day, eight days a week, somebody's going to pay the price, and it's going to be you and your family that's going to do that. You will pay the price when you overcommit. In other words, the unexpected will arise in your life. And you cannot plan for the unexpected, but you can leave some room for it. So if you have to be on a plane and the flight leaves in two hours, don't leave your house five minutes before the plane leaves. Why? Because you're building some margin into that small timeline 
I'm asking you to begin to build some margin into your daily life. Oh, I, I can barely make it to work on time. Listen to this revelation. Get up earlier. I'm talking about it'll change your entire life. You begin to put some margin in. Now a flat tire is an inconvenience, not a missed opportunity. Do you see what I'm saying? It could be an inconvenience for you to have to change your tire or to call road the roadside assistance or whatever you have to do. It can be an inconvenience or you can miss your flight. If you put enough, if you put some margin into your life. So this is just in the natural. Now I'm talking about emotionally. You start building some margin into your life. You start, you start building some margin into the relationship with your husband or your wife or even your children. So now everything begins to shift and you begin to have some space there for the unexpected because the unexpected will show up. And if you're already maxed out, when the unexpected shows up, now the wheels come off. Instead of it just going, oh, well, I wasn't expecting that, but thank God we're making some plans for the unexpected. We're leaving a little bit of room. Somebody say amen. amen. If you're always angry, don't look around. If, if you're always angry or you have a short temper, you will not walk in the peace of God. There's no in-between. There's no maybe. I don't even have to be prophetic to know it. If you're walking around mad, you're not in the peace of God. And you can't access it. So here's the situation. If you've ever said this, I always fly off at the handle. My dad had a short temper. My grandpa had a short temper. I have a short temper. Everybody knows it. I will say exactly what's on my mind because I don't have a filter. You have personally prophesied your future. Because your words build your life. Everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. I'm going to go eat worms. You'll walk out of your house and you'll think everybody hates you. Everybody doesn't hate you. Barely anybody knows you. But if you start saying that, you'll believe it. So what happens is... You, I always have a short temper. I act this way. I'll, I'm not that kind of person. I'll tell them exactly what I think about them. Then when the opportunity comes up, you will say exactly what you're thinking because you have boxed yourself in by saying that's who you are. Now you feel the obligation to perform on what you personally prophesied into your own life. Does that make sense? So what you can do is you can begin to actually do what the Bible says and you can call things that are not as though they were and you begin to build a new future for yourself that looks more like what God has intended for you. So instead of saying, you know what, I have a terrible temper, my whole family has a terrible temper, it's just the way it's going to be, I'll always be that way, you start saying, no, 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 patience is a virtue and I'm a patient person. You know what, I give the benefit of the doubt, I'm not holding grudges against anybody and now all of a sudden you will have personally prophesied your future and now when you have the opportunity to be angry you will remember what you said about you and you will begin to act differently than every generation before you this is a shift that gets you back into the peace of God or position in the peace of God if you've never experienced it now all of a sudden you're not talking like everybody else because there's one thing scarier than not knowing where you will be next year. It's knowing that you will be exactly the same as you are now next year. You don't want to be the same. You want to go from glory to glory to glory, ever changing back into the likeness and image that God originally intended you to live like. But you can't do that if you're bitter and angry all the time. You can't do that if you're a racist. You cannot live in the peace of God and be a racist. 
You cannot live in the peace of God and be angry. You can't be angry all the time. There's got to come a place where you begin to say, you know what? I'm going to be what God has been to me. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to make those different, uh, those different decisions. And now all of a sudden, peace becomes a possibility. So a short temper, easily angered, tired and stressed out all the time. These are the things that will steal the peace right out of you. Here, here's another one. Don't look around. Easily distracted. Oh, hey. Is that a butterfly? Easily distracted. Why? Because if the devil can't get you back to the bar at 2 o'clock in the morning, he'll just try to keep you distracted all day. So you go and say, all right, I'm going to read my Bible for 10 minutes. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read my Bible 100%. Going to read it. You crack it open. The Genesis chapter number one, verse one, in the beginning, and then all of a sudden the thought comes in your mind, I was supposed to get the oil changed in the car today. Now, is the oil change demonic? Absolutely not. But the devil will use anything to distract you from your purpose. So what I do, I I always keep a pen and a paper or something to take notes on uh, whenever I'm praying or studying. Uh, one reason is, well, maybe God will say something. The Bible says, write the vision and make it plain. But the other is, what if I remember something? Now I get all, oh, I got to make sure. Crystal told me to stop by and pick up bread. I need to make sure I don't forget that. I need to make sure I don't forget that. So I'm sitting there going, in the beginning, God created bread, bread, bread. Don't forget bread. Or I can just totally disarm that distraction by just write down bread. And now what was supposed to distract me it's no longer an option to distract me. And this will happen two or three times. And then the enemy will realize you are actively resisting him and he will flee. Well, I thought the devil always tried to bring like hailstorms to your house. No, sometimes he'll disguise himself as an angel of light. Because if he can't get you involved in sin, he'll try to get you distracted throughout the rest of your day so that you'll never accomplish what God has called you to be. And distraction is one of the number one thieves of peace. Just distracted all the time. Missing, missing, feel like you're missing out on something. Feel like everybody on Instagram is living on vacation and you're living at Kroger, praise the Lord. Just distracted. Can't can't stay focused on one thing or another. It will steal your peace. Easily thrown off course. Your eyes, the Bible says, are the light of your body. A loose translation is they're the window to your soul. Whatever comes in your eyes is either bringing light into the situation or darkness into the situation. This week we have Halloween. Don't stop being a Christian just because people want to dress up as devils. Don't, don't go, and the Bible, says, the Bible says to stay away from even the appearance of evil. Don't go and rent Jason 15, 16, and 17 and sit there with your two and three-year-old because it's Halloween and watch a bunch of demonic horror movies because what will happen is you'll be cleaning up uh, uh, nightmares for the next 12 years of your life. Because what is what what should have gone through the window to their soul is things that bring peace and love and happiness and joy and forgiveness and health. Now all of a sudden they're seeing things. You know, people shouldn't have to be... Everything we deal with is not something we were supposed to have to deal with. Sometimes we open the door. In other words, if you leave the windows open to your house, don't blame the bugs that get in. Does that make sense? So for us, we're going to live in the peace of God. And one of the things we do is we, got, we guard what comes into our eyes and our ears. And we especially guard the eyes and ears that we're responsible for. Am I saying don't dress up for Halloween? No, I'm going to go as the, I don't know, M&Ms or something. <laughs> My kids dress up as Halloween. We're not anti all things fun. But at the same time... The Bible says, you know, a tree by its fruit. Don't go plucking the fruit off of every tree just because it's hanging there. My kids will dress up. One will be Abraham. One will be Isaac. One will be Jacob. (laughs) Crystal told Haley, maybe you should be a ninja. Dress in all black and be a ninja. And Trinity said, you should wear all white and be a duck.
I'm talking about things that'll steal your peace. You, there's some things you can add into your life that you didn't need to add. There's certain things that, that'll happen, you know. There's certain things you have to go through that are non-negotiable. There's other things that we just let in. And I just think we ought to be real wise about it. Come on, give God a hand of praise in the house today. <laughs> Hebrews 12, verse number 2 says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Number one, if you're going to walk in the peace of God, I'm going to give you four keys. won't take long, but I'm going to give you four keys. Number one, looking unto Jesus. Number one, fix your eyes. One translation says, fixing your eyes on Jesus, locking them on Christ. You have to understand you cannot predict everything that will happen to you, but you can predict what will have your focus. Remember, Peter got out of the boat, was, was, was walking on water, was totally cool. And then all of a sudden, he looked away from Jesus and he looked at the waves that were raging and he began to sink. Can I just say this? It's a miracle if you walk on water, whether there are waves or no waves. So there was no reason for him to be fearful of the waves. The fact that he was walking on water was more than sufficient to overtake any of the doubt that would trickle in. And doubt only came in the room whenever he took his eyes off Jesus. If you're going to walk in the peace of God, you have to keep your eyes fixated on Jesus. You have to stay focused on who he is. What has he made you to be? What has he done in your life? The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You can't stand if you're double-minded. The Bible says he'll keep in perfect peace him whose mind has stayed on thee. There has to be a focus that says I'm going to stay fixated on Jesus because I can't predict everything I'm going to endure, but I can predict the fact that he's going to endure it with me. I'm going to stay fixated on Jesus. I'm not going to continue uh, to vacillate on what will grab my attention and hold my attention, I'm going to stay focused on Jesus because when I stay focused on Jesus, now all of a sudden, the Bible says, the eye being the lamp, the light of your body, now all of a sudden, your light is staring at the ultimate light of our salvation and now everything else just looks dim. Whatever you stay focused on, this is what's going to attract your attention. I, know, I remember when I started learning how to drive, my dad told me, he said, son, he said, when you see headlights, coming, don't stare at the headlights. He said, because whatever you focus on, you will begin to gravitate towards that. When you focus on Jesus, you start to gravitate towards Jesus. When there are problems in your life, it's not time to blame God. It's time to thank God that he hasn't left you in the middle of the problem. You stay focused on Jesus. You say, I'm not worried about my situation like the world worries about their situation. I'm going to keep my eyes on the prize, on Christ Jesus himself. I'm not backing off. I'm not getting slow about it. I've not, I've come to this decision after prayerfully considering it. I'm going to stay so focused on Jesus that the devil's going to get tired of me staring at the author and the finisher of my faith. Now all of a sudden things start shifting. Now all of a sudden the devil, listen, he gets tired of getting black eyes messing with you. You become, you, when, when, when the devil can just hit you and knock you off track and you'll start cussing out your coworker, you're a pretty easy target. When, 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 when one bad thing happens in your life and you totally lose your faith in God, you're a pretty easy target. The devil actually enjoys that. But when, 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 when he hits you and you don't even recognize it because you're so focused on Jesus. I've had people come up to me sometimes. They say, they say, how come nothing bad ever happens to you? I said, what are you talking about? Nothing bad ever happens to me. I said, stuff bad happens. I said, I just don't, I just don't, uh, uh, magnify that. I just choose to magnify God. Can I pray with you about something? Sure, you can pray with me about anything you want. Well, what's going on in your life? I'm not here to talk about what's going on bad in my life. I'm here to talk about how good God is. It's a shift. Does that mean you don't, you don't, you don't pray? That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying I'm focused on who He is in the middle of my situation. I wish somebody would begin to get a picture of riding on the waves of life that are causing you to stumble and trip and even start to sink and then realize if you can keep your eyes on Jesus, the water doesn't have a say in the matter. It's a total shift. 
It's a total, it's a total shift. Now the peace of God is not an option for you. The peace of God is exactly what you're living in. It's a total shift. Somebody say shift. Number two, the scripture says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Somebody say endure. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured. Somebody say endure. He endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Number two, you have to purpose to endure. You were born to fight. You were born for war. You were born to rage against the things that are raging against the kingdom of God. When you made the decision to serve God, that was your last opportunity to quit. You're in church on a Sunday morning. You could be anywhere you want to be right now, but you came to the house of God. And that means you are serious about trying to figure out what does God want from me? What does God have from me? How can I serve God? What can I do for God? In other words, if you were going to quit, you should have done it before today. If you were going to quit, you should have done it long before now. No, if you're going to live in the peace of God, you make the decision to endure. You make the decision that come hell or high water, I'm serving Almighty God. You make the decision that says, I don't know about your house. I can't speak for where you live. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. You already committed to endure. You know, it's, 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 it, it's different when the devil can convince somebody to quit because now he'll just keep circling back. But when you've already determined that you're going to endure, now he doesn't want to mess with you quite as much as he wanted to mess with you because he knows that all you have to do is resist him and before it's over, bound by the word of God, he must flee. It's a total shift in what God can do in the peace area of your life when you determine, I can't tell you what all's going to come at me. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to quit. There was a guy named Dr. Lester Sumrall, very, very famous preacher in years gone by, did great, uh, great miracles, followed his ministry. And one time he was getting on a boat to go meet another minister in Australia, a guy named Smith Wigglesworth, and he had convinced a friend of him to drive him over to the boat. And as he's getting on the boat, now this was a long time ago, he said, he said, how do you know that you will find them? He said, well, the Lord told me to go. He said, well, how do you know where he will be? He said, the Lord told me to go to Australia. I guess he's going to tell me the rest of it when I get there. He goes, well, what happens if it doesn't work? He looked back. He said, then put on my tombstone. Here lies a man that died believing God. He already determined he was going to endure. Why was he going to endure? Jesus endured, the Bible says, for the joy set before him. Everybody look to your left. Now look to your right. That's the joy. When they were nailing him to the cross, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me, probably more than he was thinking about you, praise the Lord. <laughs> he was thinking about you. He was thinking about us. For the joy set before him. I, I, I never forget, we have three children, right babe? Three children. <laughs> we have three children. And they're wonderful. But I just want, I was there for all three. And I just want you to know, if men had to have babies, there would have only been one. <laughs> Every time I was like, you ladies are so tough. Like, you're just tough. Push, rah, push, rah, push, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> and put this greasy little human. <laughs> oh, mama. Mama's in there holding them. Oh, so he's perfect. Look at him. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Am I the only one who's ever had a kid? I mean, y'all been there, right? It's a cone head. Doesn't look like a baby. 
we just be real in church for a minute? Uh, it's like, it's like, it's like, no, baby, it's not perfect. It needs, needs bath, you know. <laughs> Stuff on it. Head's funny looking. Eyes squinting. <laughs> got a, got a, got a, got like a, like a, like a, like a hose coming out of his belly. <laughs> He's still attached to you. Is he still charging? I don't know what's happening. There would have only been one baby. If God had been like Adam, you're going to have babies. He'd have been like, well, that's over. <laughs> Jesus would have come thousands of years later. He'd be like, I'm here to die for you. You, you, you. Where's everybody at? Adam would have looked down from heaven and said, man, I, it was just one. That's all I can, that's all I can do. But what happens is so interesting with, with, with moms. You get pregnant. Sometimes moms are sick the whole time. Sometimes they're sick the first part. They can't sleep. Baby's crawling around, kicking around. Got to go to the restroom 15 times a night. Then all of a sudden, you got to go to the hospital and, or wherever you have the baby. You got this whole event that happens. I'm just like, man. But instantaneously, when that baby hits that mother's arms, all of what she had to endure was worth it. And all the women said, Amen. and all the guys said, thank God it's them. <laughs> but see, Jesus said, the scripture says, for the joy before him, Mom will endure all that because of the joy that is before her, that's coming. So when you choose to endure, you're not just making that decision because endurance is a fun thing. You're making that decision because there is great joy ahead of you. You know, I got people that are in heaven right now that went to heaven early. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them. I'm, I'm really looking forward to some of them. Some of them I'm going to be like, Jesus. Do they all get to come? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm glad they're here. Which heavenly subdivision are they in? <laughs> just kidding. Partially. But if you purpose to endure because of the joy that is ahead of you, now, all of a sudden, you're not quite as easy of a target for the enemy because he realizes he might be able to hit you, but he can't knock the peace of God out of you because you purposed or before the fight happens. Already decided I'm not going to quit. Already decided if I understand it, I won't quit. Already decided if I don't understand it, I won't quit. Already decided that that's going to be who I am. I'm not going to be the type of person that looks at the situation and that is what dictates whether or not I will continue. I've already purposed to endure. I remember one time, uh, Crystal, Crystal uh, doesn't like snakes like, like at all. You know what I'm saying? And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. I'm not a big fan of them. But, but every time in our whole life that there's ever been a snake, she's like, Brian, go get the snake, and I'll go get the snake, and, you know, whatever. But I remember one time she sends me this picture of her holding up a dead snake, like as big as her. And I said, what are you doing? I called her. I said, I said where did you get that? She said, I killed it. I said, you killed the snake? She said, yeah, I killed the snake. I said, why would you kill the snake? She said, it got close to the kids. You see, for the joy, her kids that are before her, she's willing to endure even an old nasty grass snake. Praise the Lord. I'm sorry, King Cobra. King Cobra. I never King Cobra. But you purpose to endure not just because you want to mess with a snake. Nobody wants to mess with a snake. It's for the joy before you. It's for your kids, your grandkids, the generations that are coming, those that are far from God that don't know him. We don't just love people and point them to Christ because it's catchy. We love people and point them to Christ because souls are on the line. The joy set before us, we endure. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. 
Matter of fact, give God a hand of praise today. A couple more, then we're going to close. Just two more. Romans 12. We'll start in verse 17. First off, you got to keep your eyes fixed on him. Secondly, you have to purpose to endure. Just don't quit. Don't be a quitter. It wouldn't even be rational for you to quit now. God's done too much in your life. You've seen him do too much. It doesn't make sense. You should have quit the day after you got saved if you were going to quit. Romans 12, 17 says this. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Don't repay people evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Don't try to do people wrong. Verse 18. And this is a big one. If it's possible, as much as it lies on you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Vengeance belongs to God. So what he says is this. When it lies on you, when it's your responsibility, live peaceably with people. Don't, don't try to repay evil for evil in somebody's life. You, you, number one, you, you don't want to be measured by your own acts. And that's what happens when we start doing that. We're then measured. We're then measured. Crystal, uh, she's the best I know at giving the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't matter who it is. I'm like, baby, did, did you hear what they just said? She's like, I don't think they meant it like that. I'm like, yeah, babe, I think they did. They actually sent a text message and I meant it just like that. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think that's what they meant. Okay. Where it lies on you. Let's get real for just a second. Maybe somebody said something about you when you were a kid. Maybe your daddy was an alcoholic. And he called you names. He beat you. He hurt you. God knows what else. There are people you can't live peaceably with. But where it lies on you, live peaceably. What I mean, everybody's not going to understand why you are so serious about the things of God. And that's okay. But you can't let what somebody said about you affect your peace. You have to live in peace, at peace, whether anybody else understands you or not. God will give you some people. You can find them in a life group here at our church. That's what it's all about. But many times, we're living under these labels. I mean, we can't live at peace under the label. That's not saying never have anything to do with them. It's just saying you don't have to live in that situation, you, you don't have a choice, the family you're born into, but you get to choose who you live life with. So if you are not, if you have done what you can do to live at peace, there's nowhere in the Bible that says you're supposed to be a whipping post for somebody. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that you're supposed to be somebody's uh, uh, scapegoat that they, you know, verbally or otherwise abuse or anything like that. It's not there. So where it lies on you, be at peace. That means you don't hold a grudge. They hold a grudge with you. I don't hold a grudge with them. Oh, they're mad at me. I don't, I'm not mad at them. I don't care. What do you mean you don't care? I mean, I don't care. It's, it's none of my business what they think of me. Because here's the thing. If you allow somebody's positive praise to bring you joy, their criticism will break your heart. But if instead you decide, I've already chosen to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, I've already chosen to endure for the joy set before me, and where it lies on me, I'm going to live at peace with everybody else. But if they don't want to be at peace with me, it's none of my business. I'm not interested in what they have to say. I'm not interested in what they don't have to say. When you worry about what somebody thinks of you at, to, at, an, at an inappropriate level, what happens is you have given them the authority to dictate your emotional peace. You hand them the authority to do that. Somebody's going to get set free today that has been uh, handcuffed 
by somebody else's decision or idea of who they are. The devil is a liar. God already said who you are. Let me tell you just a few things. He says that you are the head and you are not the tail. He says that you are blessed only, and this is my favorite, you cannot be cursed. A witch or a warlock could try to throw frog bones at you and throw a curse on you, but you can't be cursed. Why? The blood of Jesus is what protects you and the blood of Jesus cannot be cursed. You are a completely born-again creature. You are not what you used to be. A lot of people are measuring you by what you used to do and say, but that's not who you are. They are not your measuring stick. The God of heaven and earth is the one that determines your value. And he says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're in his likeness, in his image. He has a great plan for your life. And he is ready to do some things that you can't even think of. But you're going to have to get at peace even when everybody around you is not at peace with you. Just live in peace. I'm just, I'll never forget this. This changed my life. My pastor told me this. We're driving, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm probably driving him. And he goes, he goes, you know what, Brian? I'm like, what? Sir. He said, he said, there's nobody in my life that I hope I never see again. And I was like, there's like 30 people in my life I hope I never see again. He goes, no, no, no. He said, it's a decision. I live in peace as it lies on me. He said, if they, if they have a problem with me, I don't have a problem with them. If they got a grudge against me, I don't have a grudge against them. I said, really? So I instantly took and scratched out like 50% of the people on my list. <laughs> I said, no, that's what I want to do. I want to be like that. I, that's what I want to do. I, I, I want to live at peace. Where, where it lies on me, I want to live at peace. And he told me this another time. He said, he said, you think you're tested when they talk about you. I said, okay. He said, but that's entry-level Christianity. You're tested when they talk about your family. When they lie about your, your, your wife and children. That's when you're tested. I said, well, hold on. Because I was thinking like, Jesus took a rope, turned into a whip, ran him out of the temple. I'm thinking, that's like perfect time when somebody says something about your kids. And then I started thinking about it. They talked about God's son. And he didn't throw them into hell. On the contrary, he was still trying to coax them back. Now, don't get it twisted. Don't you let your kids be abandoned, abused, nothing like that. I'm just saying... You're purposing, we're purposing, as it lies on us to live in peace. Somebody has a problem with you, let them have a problem with you. Let them lose sleep. You just say, Lord, I, I don't hold any grudges against anybody. In the name of, you don't have to, let me tell you something, just a side note, because I feel this in my spirit, bubbling up. Blah, 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 blah. You don't have to go post on Facebook. I thank God that I'm forgiven so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so for being such a jerk. God, I thank you. I'm so much further along in you than they are that they're still a heathen and I'm not. Glory to God. That's not real Christianity. That's a joke. That's a show. You can even, you can even, have, you can even have arrogant prayers. Oh, God. I thank you. I just ask you to forgive them. And I mean, if they need some, like, stones thrown at them, I won't throw them, but just let somebody throw that stone, Lord. No. No, we're just going to live in peace as it lies on us. I'm not talking about being abused. I'm not talking about putting yourself in a place of ridicule. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm talking about living at peace as it lies on you. Let me just say this too. Jesus was known for being gentle. Even if everybody around you is hard, you can still be gentle. I'll never forget when, when I got married, my grandfather who pastored for 60 years, and I watched him love my grandmother until she went to heaven. He said one thing to me one time. He said, I said, I said, yeah, we're married. We're learning how to do stuff. 
And he said, always be gentle, Brian. Always be gentle. He said, you'll never regret being gentle, but often you'll regret being hard. See, you can always turn it up, but if you start up, it's hard to turn it back down. It's like shaving cream. Once it's out of the can, it's not going back. See, we can just always be gentle, especially with those people who are close to us. It's one thing to go witness and, you know, win the streets. It's a whole other thing when our family and our household looks, sounds, and smells like heaven itself. People living in unity. People talking kind to one another. You ought to have a little chart that you keep. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compliment my wife five times a day. Just check it off until it becomes second nature to you. So why would I do that? I told her I loved her at the altar. Listen, Buford. <laughs> Bible says don't give place to the devil. If somebody tried to come up and mess with my main squeeze, she would instantly Recognize this is a counterfeit version of the love that I'm already receiving. Because it's an effort to live at peace. You see what I'm saying? It's an effort to live at peace. So the first thing we have to do is we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. The next thing we've got to do is we've got to decide we're not going to quit. We're going to, we're going to endure. We already decided we're going to endure. Then, where it lies on you, live at peace with everybody. If you can't live at peace, just don't spend all day with that person or otherwise. Don't let what they think about you affect who you are. Let what God says about you change who you are. Somebody say amen. Last but not least, Hebrews 12, and I'll just read it over you. Hebrews 12 says this. says he is the author, excuse me. Romans says he's the author and the finisher. Excuse me, Hebrews 12. What I'm looking at here. Got a lot of notes up here, babe. It's a late night. Hebrews 12 says, looking unto the author and the finisher of our faith. Number four, super simple, maybe the most important. Let Jesus finish it. You're not done yet. Let him finish it. Oh, I'm not where I want to be. You're not what you used to be either, though. Let him finish it. And the people in your life that are coming to God, that you're helping, that you're leading to God, that you're that you're loving on them, listen, give them the opportunity to let Jesus change them too. They may not be where you are in God yet, but Jesus had the opportunity to change you. And thank God nobody derailed you in the process. Let Jesus finish it. Everybody believes God when they get born again, when they get saved, when they rededicate their life because they understand that he's the author. But he's not just the author. He's the finisher of this whole thing. He who began a great work in you, he will complete it. He's the finisher. He's the one that comes and completes the thing. The Bible says this, that he's seated next to the right hand of his father. Then the scripture says this, that we're seated in heavenly places with him. Just picture that. You walk into the throne room and you're like, all oh, the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And there's the throne and there's power and thunder and lightning all coming out of the throne. And you look over and there's Jesus with his nail-scarred hands and the scars on his head. And he looks over and he looks over and he goes, he goes Brian, right, right over here. Come here, come here, Brian. Come here, come here, come here. Sit next to me. And I'm like, are you sure? And the angels are sitting there singing. I don't know why they have a choir book because they say the same thing all the time, but they're singing. Holy, holy, holy. And then one of them bumps the other and goes, who is that? I don't know. How come we are standing and singing, but he just walks in and sits down like he knows him? Let the finisher of your faith Finish the work that he has started with you. He's going to usher you into places. You'll be seated with him. When you walk in a room, the spirit of almighty God walks with you. 
There's one verse in Proverbs that says, God will be your confidence. I love that. Anytime I sense any insecurity in me, I remind myself that God is my confidence. I can't picture God being insecure. And if he's my confidence, then I'm not going to be insecure. I don't want to be arrogant, but I want to be confident in who God made me. I want to be certain that he's not just the author of my faith, but he's the finisher of my faith as well. Surely he's done it once. He'll do it again. What if we really were a people that didn't doubt God? What if we really were a people that believed him in his word? What if we really were a people that instead of prayer being the last thing we think of, it's the first thing we think of? I don't know how many times a day, but we'll just be going through the day and I'll just stop. So let's just pray, babe. We'll grab hands. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name. You've never let us down. You're never going to let us down. You go before us and make a way for us. God, if we're making a mistake, you're, the, you're, you're, you're so strong. Your rod and your staff can cover us. We're trying to do what you want us to do, but you can direct us. I just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And then we pick which ice cream we want. Because he's the finisher. He's the finisher. We can't lose sight of the fact that he'll finish it because this is where we can hold on to our peace. If I don't feel like there's peace involved, then it's not over. Some of you are going to go to Thanksgiving in the next few weeks. And you're going to sit around people that don't understand you, that are, that are jealous of who you are. They've said things about you. I dare you to walk in there and having wiped their slate clean. And just say, no, I'm just going to love them. If they want to have a problem with me, that's fine. It's going to roll off my back like water off a duck costume. Like water off a duck's back. It's just going to roll. I'm just not going to have it. I'm just, I'm just not going to hold a grudge. I'm going to let Jesus be the finisher of my faith. I'm going to let Jesus. How do you do it? Like the prophet Elsa said, let it go. prophetess I know that's funny but you gotta let some stuff go they may have said it they may have done it but you gotta let it go cause you holding that doesn't harm them it harms you and your peace there's one translation that says let peace be your umpire I'm going to live in peace. I'm going to live in peace. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to walk away from peace. I'm going to live in peace. I'm going to stay so focused on who he is. I'm just going to keep my eyes on the prize. I'm going to stay fixated on who Jesus is. What would make you quit? Not one thing in this world. Not one thing in any other world. Not one thing on any other planet. I've already decided this is what I'm going to do. You purpose to endure. I've already decided you make that decision now all of a sudden that the option to quit's off the table and you live at peace with everybody that you can and those that you can't live in peace with you don't hold a grudge with them you don't get arrogant because before long they'll circle back to you and they're going to ask you how did you do that how did you forgive me and you're going to do this you're going to say it wasn't easy you rotten dog no don't say that you're going to say See, Jesus forgave me, and I'm really trying to be like him. So I wanted to forgive you before you asked. And if they never ask, you still never hold it against them. Lastly, you got to let Jesus finish it. You got to let some things go. You got to let him have the wheel. You got to let him take it. You got to let him finish it. You got to let him finish it. You got to let him do it. You have to let Jesus do it. There are things that we want to see happen, but we can't do it. Jesus has to do it. You can't change the hearts of men. You can't change the hearts of people. Jesus has to do that. Please bow your head and close your eyes. Listen, 
If you're here today and you say, man, preacher, I've been carrying some stuff. And I sense today that it has affected my peace. In the eyes of God, it's affected my peace in my home. It's affected the peace in my life. Maybe it's affected your peace in your business, your finances. It's affected your peace. You've just been holding on to something. Peter, who knew Jesus very well and knows Jesus very well, he's in heaven now. But he said this. He said, you can cast your cares on Jesus knowing that he cares for you. And when you release that, when you cast your cares on Jesus, when you choose to let something go, freedom and peace begin to become your reality. Maybe somebody called you something or said something about you and it just stuck and it's never come out of your ears. It's never come out of your mind. You can let that go today. Maybe you've held a grudge with a family member. Maybe somebody said something to you. Maybe it's a friend or a coworker, and there's this underlying current of hostility. You can let that go today. This is the time in our service where God does what only God can do. Jesus is the finisher. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I'm about to pray, and God's going to lift that stuff off of you the minute you hand it to him. If that's you and you say, Pastor, I want to be included in that prayer. I feel like I've been carrying something and it has affected my peace. I want to experience that peace that passes understanding. I want to be more at peace with God. I want to be more at peace with people. I want to know that God's for me. I want to remember that and remind myself. If that's you and you know that you've been holding and carrying something that you need to let go of, when I count to three, just lift your hand. Nobody's looking around, so we're not going to embarrass you. But just lift your hand, and I'm going to pray, and God's going to really pull that off of you. One, two, three. Lift your hand. There's hands all over the room. see these people who are honest with you today. We're here because we love you and because you loved us. I'm asking you, Lord God, that as we by faith hand off, hand over, cast on you these cares, these burdens, these heavinesses, these things, these statements, these labels, these name tags, this stuff that's been put on us, those bad decisions, as we continue in this moment to try to hand it to you I thank you for doing what you said you would do not just authoring our faith but finishing it and removing those burdens Lord heal that hurting heart now thing that that ex-husband has said I release you from that in the name of Jesus Christ you're not what he said you are you're a wonderful beautiful daughter of almighty God and the peace of God now be your standard those labels are removed like Bartimaeus you're just throwing that cloak off and you're walking into who Jesus says you are completely free now totally authorized by the blood of Jesus Christ to walk in the peace of God totally authorized he's no respecter of persons if he'll do it for anybody the Bible says he'll do it for someone else I speak the peace of God in and over your life I speak a fresh touch now in and over your life Heal our hearts once again, God. Take us back to that place where we first believed who you are and you became so real and tangible that we felt like we couldn't fail. Take us back there.
writer where you're not just the author, but you're the finisher. You're the one that completes. You're the one that sews into a complete and total package who we are. Doesn't leave one thing undone. I speak the peace of God in and over your life now. The peace of Almighty God that surpasses your understanding goes beyond your circumstances and what you're going through and penetrates who you are and becomes a facet of your very being, a blood-purchased option for believers. It belongs to you because Jesus said, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, and I will never take it away. This is for you. It's not just for your neighbor. It's not just for people who live for God for a hundred years. It's for you today, right now. You can walk out of here with peace that no one can even comprehend unless you have actually experienced it. I speak peace into your situation. Peace into your home. Peace into your marriage. Peace into that relationship with your children, with your daughter. Peace into your life. Peace into your heart. Peace into your homes. Peace into your situations. In Jesus' name. Everybody just say this, say, I receive your peace today in Jesus' name. Now with every head bowed, every eye closed once again, if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, we don't want you to come here and leave the same. Maybe you say it differently. Maybe you say you're backslidden, used to walk strong with God, but something happened and you fell out of relationship. Before you leave today, we want you to give your life to Jesus, to recommit your life to Jesus. The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And we believe that to be true. So if that's you, you've never given your heart to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, when I count to three, you've never given your heart to Jesus or you need to give it back to him. When I count to three, lift your hand. With an uplifted hand, you're saying, oh God, remember me. And he really, really will. One, two, three. Lift your hand. I see that hand. Bless you. Thank you. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? You can put your hands down. Let's all stand to our feet. If you lifted your hand and you wanted to, pray this prayer after me. Matter of fact, the whole church is going to help us pray. Say this. Say, oh God. I come to you now, and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I turn from sin, and I turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. For those of you who made that decision, we celebrate that with you. If you're here today and you've never joined our church, but you know this is the house for you, We talked about walking in the peace of God. The Bible says every person that partners with our ministry is a partaker of every grace that's on this house. We want the peace of God in your life. The scripture says those that are planted in the house of God will flourish in his courts. If you're here today, you've never joined our church. Maybe it's your first time here. You've been coming for a while, but you know this is the place for you. I'm not going to put you put a microphone in your face. I'm not going to call you to the front. But if you want to make that bold declaration today, we want to celebrate that with you. The fact is, is we need you. Because the Bible says that one will put a thousand to flight, but two will put 10,000 to flight. So every time we add somebody to the church, we know we're just doing more for the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. So that's you. You've never joined our church, but you'd like to. 
We'll give you all the information after service. But if you just want to make that bold declaration, we want to clap our hands and say we support that. If that's you, you've never joined our church, but you'd like to make that declaration today. When I count to three, lift your hand and we're just going to clap our hands and say we love you. One, two, three, lift your hand. Come on, clap your hands, church. Is anybody here today? I don't see anybody. Looks like all family. Listen, don't forget this Wednesday, we're going to have a great time at the Trunk or Treat. Stop by the Light Walk. Get signed up. Bring your kids and your grandkids. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. Let's all lift one hand. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the peace that surpasses all understanding. I speak it over every person in this house today that you would bless them coming in, going out, in the city and the field, this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.